I want to talk tonight about the idea of uh, Samvega and Pasada, which are two uh, concepts that really um, I don't really hear that much about. They're concepts in early Buddhism, but they're really important. Um, and Samvega is one of those words that has no correlation in English, but really what it means is, oh, well, let me tell you what, um, uh, it, it's, it's basically a reality check. It's seeing clearly for the first time or seeing clearly what the reality of the world is, the reality of birth and death and um, uh, old age sickness. And it, um, it kind of talks about in the Buddha's, it's in the Buddha's story, if, for those of you, I'm sure most of you or all of you are familiar with the Buddha's story. He was born into a, a privileged family and his father tried to protect him from um, the discomforts of the world. But when he was older, he had a sense of dissatisfaction and he, uh, he went out into the town kind of incognito with a, with a servant, an assistant, and he saw... Um, a sick person, an old person, a, a corpse, and he was taken aback because he had been sheltered and never uh, come into contact with any of those. And he asked his assistant, he said, is this going to happen to me? And, and his assistant said, yeah, it's going to happen to everybody. So that experience that the Buddha had was an experience of Samvega, this waking up to the reality of the world. And Tanjef Tanisaro Bhikkhu, who's a monk in Southern California, talks about, he, he translates this concept as the oppressive sense of shock, dismay, and alienation that come with realizing the futility and meaninglessness of life as it's normally lived. A chastening sense of our own complacency and foolishness in having let ourselves live so blindly and an anxious sense of urgency in trying to find a way out of the meaningless cycle. That's a mouthful, um, but basically it's like, it's, as I said, it's that reality, reality check, this sense of shock. Um, what it really means, what Samvega really means, um, is fearful trembling and is used to denote a religiously and morally motivating state of shock or agitation. So it is a state of shock or agitation when you're faced with this reality for the first time. I think we all understand that we're mortal. I think we all know we're going to die someday, but the brain is really extraordinary in its capacity to push it aside and kind of move into a place of denial. And uh, the invitation in this teaching is to not push it aside, but to really be aware of it. Um, you know, Buddha's, the, Buddha, the Siddhartha Gautama, before he became enlightened, his father tried to protect and distract him with all these things, all these pleasant experiences, which is, you know, the first, um, the second noble truth uh, says that we are, our suffering is a result of our craving and wanting things to be pleasant. This sense of, of, of sensual pleasure, good things all the time, or pushing away the unpleasant. And that's a false reality. 
because it's impossible when we're caught in this cycle of grasping and clinging and wanting or not wanting. And um, it's, it's denial and it's, it's doomed because latching on to things that are out there thinking that we're going to live happily ever after when we get them is, as you all know, um, never really quite works out the way we want it to because as I always like to say, we've all gotten something we've wanted. All of us have gotten something we've really wanted. And I don't think any of us have lived happily ever after because we're human beings and there's the experience of the human condition. There is suffering. First noble truth is there's birth, there's death. You know, we're separated from what we love. Everything, there's impermanence. And to latch onto something impermanent, thinking it will bring us permanent um, happiness is, is delusion and the root of suffering. And so when the Buddha woke up to this, when he had this sense of Zanveda, this wow, this shock, he also, the, there was a fourth um, person he saw, and that was a wise man, uh, a sage who was wandering and um, seeking truth. And so that is the second part of this teaching. There's Samvega, which is the shock and the, and the dismay and the, oh, shit, what now? And the other half of that is Pasada, which is what the wise person represents. And that is a sense of clarity and confidence and faith that there is a way out. When you begin to recognize that this this denial of reality is causing so much discomfort and suffering, that movement towards being intimate with our experience, which is equanimity. One of my favorite definitions of equanimity is the intimacy with our deepest experience without preference for it to be one thing or another. How can we be fully present with the, with the, um, the reality of what's happening right now? That's what practice is. That's what I, I touched on before our meditation is this invitation to be with whatever's present, the pleasant and the unpleasant, without grasping, without pushing. Just be. Right now it's like this. That's also one of my favorite phrases. It's like, okay, right now it's like this. What is this? Can I be with this without pushing, without pulling? Just being with, without judgment, without preconceived notions. And so the invitation, it, it's talked about in the, in the sutta um, to keep an awareness, keep this samvega alive, keep this sense of reality alive. And, and this is where the invitation to um, work with the five remembrances comes in. And monastics do it on a daily basis. A lot of people do it on a daily basis. And the five remembrances are this recognition that we're all of a nature to grow old, get sick, and die, that everything we have will be taken from us, and all we have are our actions. That's really all we have that, that kind of moves with us as, as we move through the world. Um, some vega, this sense of reality, is, is really helpful to keep us um, from sliding back into complacency. When we recognize, oh, we actually... Everything is going to be taken from us. We we are going to die. We all die. Not all of us grow old. We're a nature to grow old, 
But some of us die much younger than others. Some of us don't get sick. Some of us just get hit by a car. So this, um, you know, even this conceit that, oh, I'm only X number of years old. I got time is, is a conceit. There's this teaching, um, the nine contemplations of Atisha, that, that is a reflection on our mortality, which is great. And it's, it says things like, um, the time of our death is unknown to all of us. We think we know. We think we have time, but we don't. And my, one of my favorites is that the time we have left to live is less now than it was when this class started. Tick tock, tick tock. Um, but to keep that in mind is really um, so important. I do a I do a class. I facilitate a class called A Year to Live, and I've been doing it for years. I did the practice many, many years ago, and it transformed. It really changed my life. And it's a spiritual practice that I think a lot of um, a lot of spiritual uh, communities reflect on. They reflect on death. They reflect on mortality. But it's a this year to live practices is taking a year and and living it as though it were your last year, and really looking at how you live your life and really coming into eyeball to eyeball uh, connection with the reality of mortality. And if we are truly connected with the idea of our mortality, how are we living? How are we living? And are we living in a way that is wise, that makes sense, or are we holding on to things, thinking that we need stuff out there to make us okay in here? And that's really one of the... Um, one of the, the things that happen as we, as we contemplate um, mortality, contemplate the five remembrances, is that we uh, learn to recognize that um, it's not out there, you know? The answer is not out there. Um, nothing out there is going to fix us. It's the internal connection, it's the internal ease that's available and um, yeah, it's available regardless of what is happening out there. We wanna we wanna manipulate the circumstances of our lives. We want the relationship, the job, the whatever it is. We want to sit a really long retreat. Sometimes we get into the spiritual part of it. Well if I get to go on the three month retreat back in um, IMS, then I'll be you know, enlightened. And that's not how it works. It's like, what's going on in here? How do you relate to your mortality? How do you relate to this recognition that it's all going to end, um, that I am going to get sick and I am going to die? Um, I, I heard a song, I, I love this one band, and I heard, listen to, do you ever hear a song and then once you, you finally listen to the lyrics after you've heard it for years? And the song is called, it's Social Distortion, and the song is called um, You Can't Take It With You. And one of the lines is, you never see a luggage rack on a hearse. It's like, because you just can't take it with you. And it's like, oh, yeah, <laughs> there's no packing your bags because 
you can't take it with you. And um, so to recognize that this is a uh, this is important. And um, the recommendation is that all Buddhists, men, women, lay ordained, anyone should reflect daily on this these five remembrances, and the power of one's own actions to take this idea of samvega that oh my God, everything's real, and move it into Posada, which is this, this place of clarity and confidence. Because when we begin to develop a relationship with these ideas, with these sickness, aging, death, they're not so scary. And there's no, you know, Thich Nhat Hanh, who passed away a couple of weeks ago, he talked about death and dying regularly he had some really powerful teachings about i am everywhere and you'll i'll still be here after i'm gone you know he he talked about you know when we we see a cloud form we never talk about the cloud is is being born and the cloud is dying it's just moving into different forms and um so recognizing or coming into a a a an awareness that maybe that's what's going on. And so we begin to develop this intimacy. And I think, in, at least in, in the U.S. And, and perhaps Western Europe as well, we have been so disconnected from the idea of mortality that it's, um, it's, it's scary and sometimes we think we can outwit it or sometimes we think we can do enough exercises or um, take enough pills or do x y and z to put it off or maybe we can freeze ourselves if we die and then they'll bring us back you know when they figure out how to cure whatever it was that killed us that wasn't getting hit by a truck or old age i guess um then it's really that's why part of um in the first foundation of mindfulness where the buddha talks about birth and death and suffering the the invitation is to practice in a cemetery or practice in a charnel ground or reflect on the the disintegration of the body so we lose this attachment and we become much more intimate with with what happens to everybody this this birth death suffering is a great equalizer it happens to everyone so this idea that it's not going to happen to me if i just do it right is um, is delusion, is absolutely delusion. Um, and I just read a book a couple of weeks ago called Smoke Gets in Your Eyes and Other Stories of the Crematory, written by this woman, Caitlin Dotty, who um, is a mortician, and she's she actually has had a YouTube series for about 10 years called Ask a Mortician, and she has a really great sense of humor, but she also um, um, puts things into perspective. And this book was great. She says, you know, we are so disconnected. We have no idea. We, we, death has been sanitized. A, there's embalming. And then B, what we see on TV is just like not what the reality of the world is. And so because we've been so disconnected from it and death has been taken out of the home and put into hospitals, we just, we don't know. Um, there's a fear, there's a, there's a, uh, uh, as I said, this, this, um, 
craving to deny it. And if any of you have been with folks who have passed, it's a very different experience from what we think it's going to be. It, it can be incredibly powerful and moving. There can even be a sense of joy. Um, I was with my, with my best friend's dad when he passed, and he'd been suffering for years, and there was, I was, had this sense of joy when he left, finally, um, because there was like this, this release. So we think we know what's going to happen. We think we know what we're going to feel, which is that, you know, that, that false idea that we get trapped in that, those habits of thinking, those fixed ideas, this is the way it's going to be. But that's just made up. We don't know unless we're willing to be with, be with the discomfort, be with the illness, be with the mortality. And that leads into the basada. That leads into this clarity. And when we have this clarity, then there's, there's nothing that can terrorize us because we see the nature that it's, it's just birth, death. All I have are my actions. It's all going to go away anyway. And one of the things that I really like um, in this teaching, in the Visuddhimagga, which is a synthesis of the suttas that was written a few centuries after the Buddha, Buddha Gosa, who compiled it, he said that um, the repeated experience of Samvega, this, this recognition of the, these facts, decreases attachments because we're no longer so attached to things that are impermanent and increases loving kindness. And I think that's really a beautiful way to look at it because if we come into this recognition, and it does happen, as we embrace our own mortality, we recognize that it's shared by all beings, all beings. No one is exempt from this. So there's this sense of kindness and compassion for ourselves, but then it begins to develop for others. So we have this, this kindness and compassion. That is a beautiful experience. So it's not stark and dark and terrifying. There's this clarity and awareness and connection that can arise when we're able to breathe and learn how to be with. Oh, so this is what it feels like. This is what it feels like to age. This is what it feels like to be ill. This is what it feels like to come face to face with the reality. And there's a freedom in that because we're no longer hiding from stuff that can't be hidden from. In, um, in, again, in the Vasudhimaga, it says, one may accidentally experience samvega in the course of ordinary life and encountering death and suffering particularly, but meditation is the primary means to in, intentionally achieve this, this, this reflection on the, the five remembrances or this reflection on cemetery practices or the sitting in the charnel grounds. And so there's death, and then there's the practice of loving-kindness this practice of loving-kindness, which needs to be um, cultivated. I love the way they talk about metta, loving-kindness, in the Vasudhimaga. It's a, it's, a, it's a solvent that melts away the toxins 
that we that we have swimming around in us. I I always say the toxins of the heart, the toxins that keep us separate from others. And so as I say, so the invitation is to embrace this recognition of birth and death and sickness and old age. Recognize that we're not alone in it. All beings experience it. All beings. So cultivating loving kindness for ourselves and compassion for ourselves. And this can be challenging, and so that's where the compassion and kindness comes in as well. To move through this teaching, to move through this practice with gentleness. Move through this practice with gentleness, embracing suffering, embracing um, difficulties. So those are my thoughts on really turning towards the stark reality of existence, but recognizing that the upside is this clarity and this ease and this kindness and compassion that grows along with it if you're mindful, if you're paying attention. So thank you, my friends, for your, uh, for your kind attention. What follows are answers to questions. Is anybody here not going to die? You know, it's so interesting because I have, um, I, as I said, I've been facilitating these year to live groups for many, 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 many years. And I'm so, and I'm, intimate with death and I know and it's like and I often say to people it's like well if I don't die um, or if I die before I see you again I want you to know I love you and people are just like freaked out like you're inviting death it's like we're all going to die I mean so I'm not inviting anything that's not going to happen anyway but I still have a mind that's in denial of it it's extraordinary when I think it's like well I can still climb a mountain and go hiking and I can still stand on my head and that means and it's like it doesn't mean anything. But the brain is always trying to make deals. So to, that's why the, I think the stark reality of it is, is really helpful. It kind of smacks us awake. So. It is. It's, it's the reality of existence. And to not fight it but to hold it with compassion is, is where the wisdom is. And the clarity, that cultivating that wise heart, the ability to hold the reality, to have the compassion, the 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 um, you know the karuna, the the quivering of the heart, but not being overwhelmed by it is so important. Is so important. Um, this lady that was 105, the only medicate or the only thing she ever took, they uh, her doctor had prescribed. Uh, sleeping pills because she used to get up she used to read all night so they thought she needed a sleeping pill so she, she wouldn't start reading <laughs> but she's the only person that can you imagine no medication or nothing 105 mm. passed away and she was the most amazing person mm. yeah what a life yeah so you just never know some people live to be <laughs> and others just don't you just never know you don't we think we do but we don't I did uh, I did a, a year to live few years one of the years one of the cohorts um there was a woman in there she and her husband and they were in their 70s their late 70s and she was very still very active and she during the class she was diagnosed with breast cancer luckily it was first stage but she was so angry 
it was heartbreaking because she was angry because she's like, but I've done this all. I have eaten right. I've exercised. I've done all these things. Why me? And so many people get caught up in these ideas of, of, you know, the plan. And if I do this, then that's the promise. That's the bullshit that we're taught. You know, you, you see it all the time. You see it on advertisements. This is a society that we live in that says here, here you know, it's like more and more better, 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 this, this, this. And, and we, because we're not paying attention a lot of the time and it's subliminal a lot of the time, it's just kind of in our peripheral minds, we buy into this without even paying attention, which is why this invitation to pay attention be mindful is so important to see where we suffer and be willing to connect with that suffering. Ajahn Chah says, if you're not willing to be intimate with your suffering, you're not going to move away from the suffering. Let it be the suffering that takes you away from suffering, not deeper into more suffering. But we, so many people want to hide from suffering, but we can't live in denial. It's like, it's not personal. It's like the eight worldly wins. It's going to happen to everybody. Just sit there. It's going to happen. You're going to have pleasure. You're going to have pain. Because it's the human condition. So be gentle. Be Watch, you know, not getting stuck in things that, you know, continue this suffering. But release and let go and, and be present as much as you can. So that that's really what all these teachings are pointing towards just let go be present what's right now what's right now what's right now so, doesn't mean we don't plan doesn't mean we don't have fun things in our life doesn't mean we don't hold things dear but we have the recognition that it's all going to end thanks um i think i touched on that a little bit when you fell off um, while you were off, but a, a bigger, it's a bigger question than that. I, I think a, it might be the Western. It might be, um, you know, the U S Canada. I know great Britain, this woman, the book I read, um, smoke gets in your eyes. Um, she talked about how the bodies in the U.S. are so were so disconnected from death, but in Britain they just hide death away. I mean, even more than they do here. So it's kind of ingrained in us. We're just not around it. It's a lot of times it's not talked about, and um, so in other, a lot of other cultures, people it's it's much more a natural part of the existence. Like when Thich Nhat Hanh died, it was like no surprise he was going to die. And there was a sense of, you know, people were sad, but I really resonated with his teachings about death. And I actually had a sense of, oh, this, I get this. This means, yeah, okay, just, it's time to go. Um, but I also think we have, depending on the culture we're brought up in, we have more or less interaction with death and dying. And I think there's something in the brain that... Um, the self-protection mechanism that keeps the denial going. Because I was saying, I, you know, I do the year to live stuff, so I'm always talking about death. I've always been with people who have died. I've, I've sat with folks. I've, I'm intimate. I, 
I know it's going to happen. I've experienced death and much, much death in my life. But somewhere in the back of my head, it's still, it's like, yeah, but that's not going to happen to me. Or it's not going to happen for a while. And it's like, you know, I'm 66 years old. It might happen sooner than later. I'm probably not middle-aged anymore because I don't think I'm going to live to 120-something. But the mind, it just keeps kicking it down, kicking it down, kicking it down. And I think that's, you know, it's probably some kind of survival mechanism in the brain, which is why it's so important to intentionally bring it into focus because it is so easy to be um, distracted and let it let it go away, especially when we live in a, in a society that, that um, you know, elevates youth and dismisses age. You know, it's, it's, it's ubiquitous in, in this culture. So um, we're impacted by that, whether we're aware of it or not. It, we internalize it to a certain extent. And so that is, um, it's imperative that we pay attention, imperative we pay attention. Otherwise, we're going to be like that woman in my group who, you know, got cancer at 78 going, why me? What did I do wrong? Well, I invite you to reflect on the remembrances because the, I am of the nature to grow old, get sick, and die. Everything I have will be taken from me. All I have are my actions, which if you're grounded in the Eightfold Path and the precepts, the actions are really beautiful and lead you away from suffering intention and wise effort and wise speech and how to move through the world without causing harm to yourselves or others. That's a beautiful way to live. Beautiful way to live. Thank you for visiting Undefended Dharma. These teachings are freely offered. However, if you would like to make a donation to help support the technology that makes these podcasts possible, please visit marystancavage.org backslash support. Thank you.